Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us here at the Sonoma Avenue Church of Christ. I want to start out this morning by saying Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I used my introduction on Friday to talk about moms, to encourage them, and to share a little bit about what I've learned from my own mom. If you haven't had a chance to look at it, I encourage you to do so. This week, we're going to continue with our study of the Holy Spirit, but moms, we want you to know that we love you. We appreciate the role that you have played in all of our lives. I appreciate all the moms uh, in our church and how they have encouraged children that aren't even their own. So moms, we are grateful, so grateful for you. I got a great text from a friend this week about our study of the Holy Spirit, and this is what she said. Hey Bryce, your sermon on Sunday really changed me. I've always chafed at the teaching that spiritual gifts were just until we got the Bible, mostly because I don't see where the Bible says that. But when I try to imagine my church with spiritual gifts, I can't. I don't know what that would look like. I, I was grateful for this text because it does lay out for us a little bit what we struggle with when it comes to our study of the Holy Spirit. Uh, many of us learned that spiritual gifts, such as are talked about in the Bible, are, were more or less replaced by the Bible itself. In many ways, we were taught that the Holy Spirit only lived in the Scripture, and anything outside of that just wasn't necessary anymore. But as we've studied the Holy Spirit together, we've seen just how essential and crucial the Holy Spirit is, and, and just why God intended for us to have it. So, to recap where we were last week, God empowers his people to do great things in this world through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that's important because having God on our side makes a difference, particularly when we are going out into the world to share the gospel and to try to change the lives of others. God intends for the Spirit to be an ongoing tool of empowerment in our lives. And people are empowered in different ways with lots of different gifts. I believe strongly that everyone who is in Christ is dynamically gifted by the Spirit to make a difference in this world. But what does that look like? It's as my friend said, it's difficult to know because most of us haven't had an experience with a church where we would say, dynamic gifts of the Spirit were present. And in many ways, we probably grew up in an environment where we weren't looking for those gifts anyway. Well, today we're going to talk about the different spiritual gifts, how we can use them, and what they look like inside of a community. But before we get there, I want to clear up a couple things just to make sure we're all starting at the same point. Last week I shared with you about superheroes and their superpowers. Um, I shared with you the story of sitting on my living room floor and watching the Superman movies and seeing him fly for the first time and catch Lois Lane and the helicopter and all that stuff. It just, it just amazed me and captivated my attention as a child. I read Spider-Man comic books. I pretended I was a superhero. I played with superhero toys. There is something about a superpower that captivates us in being able to do these things. But there's a theme that runs throughout superhero stories, and if you've seen any of them, you probably know what this theme is. With great power comes great responsibility, to quote Uncle Ben. 
At some point in our hero stories, they have to go through a kind of trial where they are forced to decide what it means for them to have these powers and to use them in the world. And our heroes often end up having to sacrifice something that's important to them, usually in the form of a relationship, maybe with their boyfriend or girlfriend or family or something to that effect. But they're basically put into a position where they have to decide, are they going to live the life that they want and use these powers for their good, or are they going to adhere to some sort of higher quality? that is calling them to use their powers not for their own good, but for the good of others. Now, I have to admit that I hate this part of the superhero stories, mainly because this person was given a super awesome gift and in some ways it ruins their life. I just sometimes have a hard time rectifying that. But ultimately, this trial that they go through becomes a part of their formation process where they choose the greater good, the good for the world, over their own wants or desires. And here's what's interesting. If they don't make that choice, they become a villain because they're using their powers for their own good. Now, what does that have to do with spiritual gifts? Well, I think that we can easily lose sight of what it means to have the power of God in our lives and what it would mean to have some sort of spiritual gift from God. And I think that a great deal of our confusion over spiritual gifts comes from our struggle to remember who it is all about. So this morning, as we continue to look at spiritual gifts, there are a few things that we want to remind ourselves. And here's our first spiritual gift principle. We are basically selfish and prideful people. There is a part of us that is always looking for recognition and affirmation. Look, we come by this honestly. Paul would call this the, the human nature or the desires of the flesh. And let me give you some examples. My sons are just incredibly sweet boys, and they love to give gifts to people. Uh, some of you have been the recipient of some of those gifts. And their gift giving, they are so thoughtful, they pay attention to what the other person likes, and then literally when they see something that they think someone will like, they want to get it for them so that they can give them this gift. My boys are so thoughtful and looking to the needs of others. But then again, they still want the best chair, the bigger amount of whatever it is, the softest blanket, they want to choose the best for themselves. Here's another example. I remember when I was a youth minister here at Sonoma Avenue and I hired a youth intern. And on this youth intern's resume, he put down there that he had won an award at a Christian Bible camp for being the most humble. What do you do with that? I mean, the moment you accept the award, do you have to give it back because you're no longer the most humble? What's the point? The point is that even though we may not mean for it to happen, things very easily become about us and not about the bigger picture. Uh, even those of us who hate to be the center of attention still want to, be, to feel special and to be recognized for the things that we do. Now, this directly correlates to spiritual gifts and Paul's teaching about spiritual gifts. 
we can turn our spiritual gifts, and even more broadly to a degree, our spiritual life into something that becomes increasingly about us while becoming less and less about God. We're going to look at the letter to the Corinthians where Paul digs into spiritual gifts and a lot of concepts today to give us sort of our baseline for what spiritual gifts look like within the community. And Corinth is a, is a really good reminder to us of how quickly things can go badly when it comes to keeping the right priorities and, and keeping God at the center of what the community is all about. Here are just a few things that the community in Corinth were dealing with. Members of the church were getting in arguments with each other, claiming superiority over one another based on who had baptized them. Instead of handling their problems on their own, they were taking each other to court and suing one another. Paul was so disgusted, he observed that they were utterly defeated. Everyone in the community seemed to insist on their own rights, whether it was eating meat sacrificed to idols, having sex with prostitutes, or generally treating one another horribly. The last time they celebrated the Lord's Supper together, some left hungry, not getting anything, while the wealthier members actually got drunk on too much communion wine. A man was sleeping with his stepmother, and no one was doing anything about it. In fact, some people were actually proud of what was going on, apparently thinking that this spoke to some kind of higher spiritual maturity. It's safe to say that the Christian community in Corinth got off on the wrong foot, and they made a lot of mistakes. They were selfish, prideful, arrogant, unrepentant sinners. And the worst part, perhaps the greatest tragedy, was that the community was not at all offended by what they had become. They had become so self-centered that the idea of being God-centered was just lost. Given all that was happening within this church, there is an interesting thing I would like for us to take note of this morning. I find it strange that with all of these different issues and things that were going on, all of these things that clearly need to be dealt with, Paul also felt the need to inform them about what spiritual gifts are and how they should be used. Now, I believe that this speaks to the importance of spiritual gifts and speaks to how much we have ignored them over the years. We would probably view spiritual gifts as being kind of irrelevant within this scenario where all of these major events were happening, but, but Paul didn't see it that way. And Paul had good reason to instruct them. This, this church, amongst all these other struggles, was seriously struggling with spiritual gifting. It's not hard to understand why when you think about everything else that was going on. People had different kinds of gifts within the community, but instead of these gifts drawing the community closer together and joining them in Jesus, it was pushing them apart. Because what happened was the spiritual gifts became a point of pride. 
where some were considered more spiritual based on what kind of gift they had. And these people looked down on everyone else who had lesser gifts and claimed authority over them because clearly they were not as spiritual. So Paul wanted to remind them what spiritual gifts are all about. Let's look at this passage together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So what does Paul tell this group of Christians that is struggling with their spiritual gifts? First and foremost, Paul says, these gifts are not about you. Your gifting is not about what you have accomplished at all. Instead, there is one spirit who is the source of all of this power. And we see the Spirit manifest himself in the lives of those who follow Jesus for the greater, bigger good. All of this is from God and has nothing to do with who you are other than you being in Jesus Christ and being gifted by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Though Paul does see some gifts as being greater than the others, he doesn't necessarily see it as being a hierarchical system. He doesn't view one Christian who has a gift being better than another Christian who has a different gift. And the reason why is that the Spirit gives different gifts to different people on purpose. The Spirit is intentionally spreading gifts around to the body of Christ. Everyone is not supposed to have the same exact gift. Furthermore, it is the Spirit who chooses who gets what, and the Spirit determines how much of it each person will get and how it will manifest itself. The Spirit's job in this case, in terms of gifting, is to weigh the options, take into account different things within the community, and determine which gift is right for each individual and for the community that they live in. Which leads us to this point. The Spirit wants to create something that is greater than any one person. Paul makes it clear 
Whatever gift you may have, that is not the end-all, be-all of the Spirit's work here on earth. You are not the greatest manifestation of spirituality that the world has ever seen. The Spirit has a much bigger goal than just you being great. The Spirit is giving different gifts to different people so that when all of us come together, we will be a living, functioning body, the body of Christ, infused with the power of God. We can accomplish so much more using all of our gifts together than we can totally rocking on our own. Paul launched into a great analogy here about the body and, and how the body needs a bunch of different parts, hands, feet, eyes, a mouth. And the body needs all these parts because each of these parts serve a different purpose. And, and each is necessary for the body to function properly. Which tells us this. We are given spiritual gifts for a reason to be used within the body. And if someone is not using their gift for whatever reason, whether it's because they don't know what it is or it's because someone has put them down or it's because they're pursuing another gift and don't want to use the one that they have, the body suffers for the lack of that gift. It's better to have a mouth that is a mouth than to have no mouth at all. It's better to have two feet that do what feet do than to have no feet at all. And Paul concluded with the admonition to desire the greater gifts, but the point is not that you do this so that you can become more important or that you can become greater, but rather that your greatest desire would be that God would use you in whatever way he sees fit and give you your place within the body of Christ. Which leads us to this next conclusion. Desiring spiritual gifts does not mean wanting the coolest gift. Instead, it is an act of giving yourself over to the work of God in your life. Listen, seeking out spiritual gifts, praying for spiritual gifts, wanting greater gifts is not an act of pride, it's an act of submission. It is an invitation for God to use his power in you for his work and purposes, not your own. It is a sacrificing of self so that the purpose of God can be accomplished on this earth. It is not a request that God make you great. It is a request for God to be great and to allow you to be a part of what he is doing. This is what spiritual gifting is all about. 
maybe there is something that we would really like to do or, or some role we would really love to play within the community of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's a gift that we would really like to have. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question that sort of sits out in front of this discussion is, can you humble yourself enough to recognize what gifts God has given you and then seek out with all of your heart to use them within the community because church, we need all the gifts. We don't need everyone to have one or even two. We need all of the gifts in order to be the fully functioning body of Jesus Christ. And I think in order to reach this point where we can submit ourselves to God and, and take the gifts that he's given us, we have to understand very clearly who we are and who God is. Paul knew that the church in Corinth needed to understand very clearly the dynamic between their strength and their weakness. He wanted them to know that spiritual gifts are not a sign of your great spiritual strength, but rather they are a sign of your dependence upon God. Let's look at this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Paul knew that if anyone had reason to be prideful, he certainly was one of them. He had a great deal to boast about. He had accomplished so much. He had so many spiritual gifts. He was hugely influential in the early Christian music or movement. And it would be very easy for him to make himself the hero of the story. And in fact, that's the place where it was headed. Paul's story was dangerously leaning toward him becoming the hero. And you know why that would be when you do so many great things. You would start to think about the talents, the life, the sacrifice, all that he had accomplished and he would know that there is no one who has done better than him. But the thing was, he had this one problem. And it was a big problem. He had tried time and again to get rid of it, but he could not. So he asked God to take it away. 
in full faith that God would remove this problem for him. And he knew that if God could remove this problem, then nothing could stop him. He would be a gospel force in this world. And here's where the story takes such a fascinating twist. Because do you know what God said? He said, no. He told Paul that he would not remove this thorn in his flesh. Why? Because there was a lesson that Paul needed to learn. And he could only learn it through being defeated. Look, God knows that the more pride we have in ourselves, the more convinced we are going to be that we are doing great things. And the more convinced we are that we are doing great things, the more we are going to forget that we need God and that he is the one whose story we are taking part in. God has seen this play out over and over and over again. But here's the thing. The more in need of God you are, the more you will put yourself aside and allow the power of God to come into your life and use you however God sees fit. God always has to be the hero of the story. And our weakness reminds us of that, which is why Paul said that he rejoices in weaknesses because he knows that in those moments where he can only throw himself at the feet of Jesus Christ, his Savior, he is the most open to an outpouring of the Spirit of God. I'm reminded of the words from Isaiah chapter 6, which speaks to our tendency to put ourselves at the very center of the story. From Isaiah chapter 64, verses 6 through 7. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Look, church, the point is that we are constantly having to make choices in our lives. And if it goes unchecked, we will choose ourselves almost every time instead of choosing God. Which is why we must humble ourselves before him and pray that God will use us in the way that he sees fit. So this is something we need to remember. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of our strength. They are a sign of God's strength in us. Spiritual gifts are a sign that someone knows that they need God and that they are relying on God for the power, the talent, the courage <laughs> that they maybe don't have on their own. Spiritual gifts show 
that someone is dependent upon God and that they are open to the power of God being used in their lives however God sees fit. In one of the most read passages of the Bible, Paul tried to bring it all home to this group of people who had lost their way, who had made the story about how great each one of them had become. And as a body, they were a mess. And here's what he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Don't misunderstand what this passage is saying. It's not saying that spiritual gifts don't matter. It's not saying you shouldn't have them because, see, they're not important anyway. But what it does is it gives us perspective on what all of this is about anyway. It's all about faith, that we believe in a God who cares for us in such an amazing way. Hope that he has a home prepared for us, that this world is temporary and will one day pass on, and love that he loves us even though we are such a mess. Those things are what will remain. Gifts one day will pass away. And what's going to matter is how connected you are to the God who is constantly seeking after you, to the God who wants to empower you to share his love with others in this world. The story that we have to take out through the power of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are all sinners, that we are all failures when left to our own devices, but that God sent his son Jesus to die for us, that through him and in him we may have eternal life, and that while on this earth, his spirit will fill us and gift us and draw us together the body of Christ so that we can go out into the world and change people's lives. Praise God for the gift of his spirit. Praise God for spiritual gifts. And may God open our hearts to see how he is gifting us and to know how we can use them all together. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being here with me this morning. It's been a good time. A good time to reflect on how good God is to us. Again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms, and we'll see you next time.